the phone in your pocket has enough computing power to send a man to the moon. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the initial computers they used for the moonshot, the, these these phones in our pockets could could crush them with computing power. Oh yeah, and yet we're sitting there hacking away and tapping at it like monkeys. This is Tectonic, a weekly show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology culture and the digital age. This is episode number 56, and I am not Joe Darnell, your host. I am Joshua Pfeiffer, trusted co-host and host du jour. That's French. Look it up. This is episode 56, and Joe is out sick. We were going to record this evening. Uh, have a special guest lined up, and he had some throat issues that turned into fever issues and started writing emails that made no sense, and so we thought, let's give him the night off. So, uh, our special guest this evening, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, David. Hi, Josh. Hey, man. How you doing? Oh, doing well. I guess you're doing better than Joe, right? Yes, yes. I, uh... (laughs) I've got a, a daughter that's sick too, so there definitely is something in Georgia. Uh, she had a little bit of a fever as well, so I, I really think he probably did this on purpose to me, though. Uh, How old is your daughter? Uh, the one that is sick is five, I think. Okay, this is what I hate about five-year-olds, right? That they get sick like that, and they're over it in like three hours. <laughs> and then, as dad, you're going to get it, and you'll have it for like three days. I don't understand. It's not fair, but that's the way it works. Trust me. We've got uh, six children. And so we, we're well aware of the passing around of the the sickness and and all of that fun. So, yeah. Yeah. So jumping right in. Yeah. Like I said, uh, most of our uh, listeners probably know this is the first time I've done this solo. And I usually put about two to five minutes of talking into the show on an average basis. But David usually does about two hours on his show, uh, Mac Power Users. So we, we should balance each other out and come up <laughs> yeah. with some, something around 45 minutes. I am terrible <laughs> at that. I can't shut up sometimes. Uh, well, this is the second time we've had you. Uh, last time we had you about a year ago, actually. I just looked up the date. It was late May. And now it's early June. And uh, we had you on right after... Uh, the big photos app came out for Mac OS. Yeah. Well, I guess, what do they call it? OS 10. Sorry. Yeah. For the time being. Now, I don't know when the show's publishing, but there's a very good chance it's not going to be called OS 10 anymore. That's true. It might be WWDC is next Monday. This yeah. is the 7th right now. Yeah. And I guess WWDC is next Monday, and we'll probably, I think it goes out the Friday after. So, yeah. Let's just go with Mac OS and, and pretend like we can tell the future. There you go. Uh, so yeah, big photos app, uh, came out last year and you did a field guide on it. We talked about that and several of your other field guides. Uh, let's see, we've got a markdown field guide, paperless workflow, email presentations, uh, a whole video field guide on OmniFocus, which I really need to get. But I, I was wondering, I think Joe had a note here in the outline. How does that differ from the lynda.com version? Sure. If you are a Linda subscriber, you're just fine. Just watch that one. Okay. It's, it's all good. The only thing is I am uh, on the group. I don't know if you know it or not. They just came out with some really amazing automation tools for iOS. So now you can fully template out OmniFocus. I'm going to go just like straight into the nerdy stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you can create a template. It's like a script on the, on the iPad or the iPhone. And then using an app like editorial, 
you can fire off those scripts. And like I have all these pre-programmed templates, project templates that I always had to do on the Mac. It was never possible to do them on iOS, but now you can. In fact, they're better on iOS because the scripting language allows you to make really precise scripts. Like I have one for every episode of the Mac Power Users. And, you know, the first thing is, okay, uh, send Katie a note to determine who's going to do which ad spots or send the note to the guest, you know, prepare the show notes. And then like I have one like two days after the show publishes, you know, remind me to post a tweet reminding people to go check it out. You know, so it's just like I've got it's like 20 different things that happens with every episode of Mac Power Users. Well, now it's all scripted. And on iOS, you can just literally push a button, you know, type in the name of the guest, the title and the show, the day the show is going to publish and everything else is just created for me. And you, you start that through editorial or is, are there various options to start? Well, editorial is the app I use, but it, it's actually using, um, what is it? Task paper, um, okay. uh, notation. And then, and then once you put it in, it just dumps it straight into OmniFocus and creates a new project. Um, so the, the reason I say all this is I I'm in the process right now of creating new screencasts, explaining how to do all that stuff. Nice. I'm going to have a section of them are going to be free. I'm going to give away a bunch of it, but then I'm also going to go really deep dive and add that to the video field guide, the OmniFocus video field guide. And um, so if you're on the video field guide, you're going to get that update nice. and that'll be cool because you get that extra content and Linda's not going to have that because they're just not interested in that. <laughs> well, great minds think alike because I was actually going to ask you about that. I look, you know, looking through, you know, even the photos, you know, uh, uh, app, you know, of course has had so many, uh, features added with, even within the last couple months. And I was wondering how, you know, it's, it's, it's always kind of chasing your tail to do these, these huge projects and then have, have all the, the, the progress in the app and, you know, how, how do you capture that in a, in a good way? So are you going to, is it going to be a completely separate, I guess, download for the, the, the previous buyers, or is it going to be a separate thing to sale? For OmniFocus, it's going to be just a, an, an update. It's going to be free to existing buyers. Okay. But I am going to raise the price of the OmniFocus field guide to $20. Maybe that's something to talk about is pricing, because pricing has been a real struggle for me. But I'm starting to raise the price of some of these because, frankly, I, I want to make more of them, and I can't if I don't make enough money off of them to, you know, justify the investment. Right. You know, the, the, as typically, you know, I'm sure you know this, but, you know, as the price goes up, people have a, a higher perceived value. So, I mean, I honestly, I bought the Hazel one. I was mentioned to you earlier that that has been the first field guide that I bought. You know, I confess uh, yeah. that, you know, it's just, just something I've been interested in getting into. And so, yeah, the $20 didn't certainly didn't, uh, you know, hinder me at all. If I, if I wanted to learn it, you know, $20 is, is nothing. So even, even, even more than that on, on some of these you know, more detailed presentations are, uh, yeah. yeah, not, not too bad. So yeah, that's, that's cool that you're, uh, you know, you're updating the OmniFocus one and maybe some others along the way, but yeah, uh, yeah I know it's, it's probably not a huge money maker for you. I know it's a labor of love and you just really enjoy doing it. So it is, it is totally. And like photos is one that I, I think I'd like to update, but it partly depends on what happens at WWDC, the rumor mill saying that photos is going to get a lot of updates. Hmm. And if it's something that's going to require me to re-record the entire thing, <laughs> then I can't do it as a free update. I mean, I mean, someone was asking me, how long does it take to make these screencasts? And on a short screencast, like a 10 minute one, I almost want to say it's an hour of work per minute of video. <laughs> 
And that is not necessarily an overstatement because like on the shorter ones, cause you still have to create all the content and, you know, setting them up and really planning and scripting them out takes a lot of time for the longer ones. It's not an hour. It doesn't equate to an hour per minute. I mean, the, a Hazel video field guy is two and a half hours and I don't have, <laughs> you know, um, I don't have 180 hours into it, but I probably have a good 60 to 60 to 90 hours in it. I mean, it is a lot of work making these things. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I got tired watching it, so I'm sure I'm sure making it is even worse. I'm not sure that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, two and a half hours of, of detailed stuff. Yeah, you got to do it in multiple sittings. Yep. You can't just sit down. Exactly. I, I tell the story that when I was a kid, I was an altar boy, and my priest told me that he never saved a soul after 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, there's some truth to that. So I uh, There's truth to that, that's for sure. So yeah, before we jump into Hazel, I wanted to uh, share this story, which was just kind of, uh, I thought it humorous. <clears throat> about two weeks ago, uh, I had to drive up to Atlanta, which is about two hours away from where I'm currently at, for a, a short business meeting. So I took my two oldest children, who were nine and 10, and so it's about a two-hour drive and plus traffic. And I thought, you know, what better way to spend two hours with my children than listening to Mac Power users? So <laughs> I feel sorry for them. <laughs> so no, I mean, it was great. I turned on the Hazel episode because I wanted to start getting into that. I'm going to hopefully start working a whole lot more with my Mac and wanted to, uh, you know, be as efficient and smart as possible with it. And so we turned on the Hazel episode and for, I don't know, I guess it's an almost two hour show, uh, listen to this Hazel episode. I mean, they were quiet the whole time. They just sat there and listened. And at the end, my son, who's nine, just looks up at me and says, Dad, do you have Hazel? And I and I confessed that I did not have Hazel at that at that time. And he just kind of looked at me like, like, what is wrong with you? Like, this, <laughs> you were is, judged. The best, this is the best <laughs> thing ever. Well, why would you not? I'm like, I'm sorry. I, we'll, 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 we'll get it as soon as we get home. <laughs> All right. I, you're raising them right, Josh. Yes. You got to start them early. You know, like I, I've uh, given my small children jalapenos as soon as they start eating just have a little bit of little spice and you know there you go get them started early <laughs> so hazel um <clears throat> is uh is a system app i guess what would you call it like a system level app for the for os 10 or mac os i mean it, it kind of lives within the system yeah it's a preference pane app it, okay. it lives in the preference pane it's really just a a great mac utility one of the best in class mac utilities and basically what what it does is you set up different folders and it looks in those folders for whatever files and and there and the number of combinations and permutations of of what you can have it look for is nearly infinite and then you can do all sorts of things with those files from from renaming them to to setting them places and moving them places, emailing them, all sorts of things. It's it's a pretty pretty cool program. And like I said, I've got through most of the field guide, and I'm just I'm kind of blown away and really looking forward to start playing with it. But you make it look so simple. I, I decided to sit down after two hours and thought, all right, I'm going to do this very simple thing and, and kind of struggle a little bit. So in a sense, it's sim- simplistic once you get going. At the same time, there's, there's a whole lot of complexity to it. I know you wrote a a blog post recently about that kind of idea. I mean, I know it wasn't specifically about Hazel, but I mean, do you have any kind of thoughts on Hazel as that, as that crossroads between simplicity and complexity or? Yeah, I do. I mean, because uh, Hazel, I think I'm like the last generation that makes a connection with the word Hazel, but there used to be like, it was like in the fifties, this terrible sitcom (laughs) and, and do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay. So it was, it was just, you know, typical fifties TV show. And it was about the housekeeper and her name was Hazel. 
and she cleaned up after them, but she also cleaned up, you know, figuratively on their lives, you know, it was just this mess of a family, you know, <laughs> in, in the sense that a 50s TV family was a mess, you know, it was all kind of father's knows best days. <laughs> but the, um, I, um, when I was a kid and I'd get sick and in the seventies, when you wanted to play hooky from school and pretended you were sick, the sad news is we didn't have the internet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't have YouTube, didn't have really anything good. The thing that was on TV was like, I dream of genie green acres, which made me want to hurt myself and Hazel. So these <laughs> terrible old TV shows would play during the day. And it, it really made you want to go to school, even if you were sick. But I know who Hazel is because of that. And I think that has something to do. I've never asked Paul exactly why he named it Hazel. But anyway, the, sh the idea of the app is it's a housekeeper for your Mac. And what it does is it looks for things. You, you know, you can point it at a folder and then say, look for something in this folder that has some unique set of properties and do some unique sort of actions on that file. So that's the general idea of it. And it started out really as something to clean up like your desktop because they look at the desktop and if there's a file on there that is a, a photo or has a JPG extension, put it in the photos app, you know, go ahead and file it in my photos app or move it to my Dropbox folder that has my photos in it. You know, it's just the idea it would clean up after you. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't have to take the trouble of clicking and dragging and going through all the steps necessary to move files around your Mac. And that's the, at the, the core level, that's what it does. I mean, people use it for all sorts of things. Um, when you download apps, you get those DMG files on your Mac. Every time you do it, get a disk image. And they sit around, you forget to do anything about them. You can make a Hazel rule that says, if there's a file on my desktop that is a DMG file and it's over a week old, throw it in the trash. You know, By then, I've either installed the app or I don't care anymore. Just trash it for me. So that's, that's kind of the basic level Hazel stuff. Mm-hmm. But the developer is like a super smart guy and nice guy, by the way. His name is Paul Kim. And he um, he keeps adding features to it. And the features add that complexity that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But they also add awesomeness to it, you know. <laughs> like now Hazel's got to a point that it's super smart. Like you can have uh, one of my favorite examples, and I do this in the field guide, is you just scan a document. Let's say it's an electric bill. And you've got a scanner. So what happens when you scan on your, your attached scanner? It always gives the file some crazy name, you know, that's a bunch of numbers and letters and jumbled stuff together. Um, well, Hazel can look inside the file. And if you've got a system that does optical character recognition, it can even read the contents of the file. So you can say, okay, if I scan a document, I want you to read the document. And if it says electric company and invoice, so it has those two phrases in it, then I want you to look inside the document and find the date inside the document. So you're not, I'm not talking about the date you scanned it on. I'm talking about the date that's written on the piece of paper. And then I want you to grab the date and rename the file with the date, the date string you got out of the document, then write the words electric company invoice, and then move it to my utility folder on my Dropbox or Evernote or whatever. Mm -hmm. So for a user, all you have to do is take your electric bill Stick it in your scanner, press the button, and Hazel does everything else for you. I mean, you can even have it email a notice to your accountant, or I mean, just there's just so much you can do with it, and it just keeps growing on that. Now, now they've added the ability to run Apple scripts and scripting languages. So, like one of the things I talk about in the video field guide is if there is a text file in my in my computer with a certain name, then I want you to play my favorite jazz playlist on iTunes. You know, as dumb as that sounds, but think about it. Um, and the way I did it in the um, 
the video field guide is I have if this, then that, which is a, a, a service. And I know I'm going really off the deep end here, but <laughs> if this, then that can look at your phone. And if I leave the house, create that text file, or if I arrive at the house, create that text file. So I arrive home and music just starts playing. It is really crazy because on iOS, we don't get those types of powers to do all that stuff because things are more locked down, mm-hmm. but on the Mac, things are kind of wide open. So Hazel is this kind of innocent app made initially just to clean your desktop for you, but now does so much more. Right. And I've, I've always been, been pretty good about, about keeping the desktop clear, but my, my downloads folder is a whole other story. And it's, yeah. And it works the same way. I grab the latest thing out of it and then, you know, kind of ignore it. So I'm definitely going to look at, look at cleaning that up. Um, so I was going to, I was going to ask at the very uh, end there, when you're talking about you know how the Mac's very wide open and of course, iOS is, is more locked down. You talk a little bit how to utilize Hazel on the Mac also you know, with cloud services like Dropbox and things like that on iOS. I guess one question I had, and you might've mentioned it, maybe I missed it. You know, if you go, you know, off somewhere for several hours and your, and your Mac goes to sleep. Is there any way to get around that, that problem or, or maybe you just have it so it doesn't go to sleep? Yeah. What I do is, you know, cause my Mac is an iMac, mm-hmm. so I don't have any battery concerns on it. And what I do is I have my Mac set to turn the screen off Okay. and it doesn't go to sleep, but the screen goes dark. And if, if you go to wake the screen up, then you have to type your password in. So I get basically the benefits of security um, it does not have as much of a power reduction. So I'm using a little bit more electricity than I would otherwise. Okay. But it really works for me. Like today I had a lunch appointment is a good example. I have a lunch appointment. I use an app on my iPhone to take a picture of the receipt tacos. And then I gave it a certain name and it saves it to Dropbox and drop and Hazel's watching that folder. So Hazel says, Oh, there's an expense. So as soon as I, um, took the picture in the restaurant, Hazel back on my iMac at home, saw it categorized it, put it in my tax folder, you know, all the, all the stuff I would normally do with the stuff when I got back home is just handled for me. All I have to do is take the picture and save it to a certain place. Okay. I'll definitely have to look into that as far as, uh, uh, I guess just the regular energy settings on the, on the iMac. I've got the similar 27 inch, you know, new, new Mac, new iMac. And it's, it's great. I have noticed issues and maybe you don't see this because you, of your settings, but it takes forever to wake up from sleep. I don't know if it's just my computer or if I'm doing something wrong, but I'll have to, I'll hit the keyboard and a couple of seconds later, hit it again, tap on the trackpad. And it, sometimes it'll take 10, 15 seconds to, to wake up, which is kind of weird, but maybe I'll just turn that setting off and I won't have to worry about it. Yeah. You know, I think that's cause I don't see that, but I don't put it to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a setting in the energy saver preferences on your Mac. So the, the first there's a slider that says, when do you turn off the display? And then there's another one that says prevent computer from sleeping automatically when the display is off. That's the one I check. And I think that may be turned off by default, but if you check that, then your computer won't go to sleep. It'll just turn the screen off. Nice. Just fixed it. <laughs> There you go. Uh, so another thought I had as I'm going, you know, looking at, at all of these different, you know, folders you can set up with all of, all of these different rules, it kind of made me a little bit fearful, if that if that makes sense. And I, and it, I think it it kind of was similar to when I gave up control of my music management ten years ago with iTunes. Like yeah. it just took a little bit of faith to just drop these files in there and just trust that it would work. You know, I know you ha- said you have had issues with maybe missing a bill or something with a f- something getting f- filed in the wrong place or not in the wrong place, but just not having proper notification. Do you have any thoughts on, 
I guess going too crazy and and missing stuff or forgetting about things. And well, I, I do think like with that video field guide I released, I don't think the answer is to watch the whole video guide and then make twenty rules. You make <laughs> one rule and just start using it, and then make another rule. You build on itself. Sure. Um, one of the things I talked about in the video is one of the, you know, you can set conditions for files to satisfy. And like the example I used earlier is it has the word electric company and invoice, but you get to choose whether that's an and or an or. Mm -hmm. And if you accidentally say or, uh, instead of and, then anything you scan that has the word invoice in it is going to qualify for that rule and get marked as an electric bill. And you can just appreciate all the havoc that can cause. Sure. I'm not going to admit to have done that, but let's <laughs> just say it's very likely I've done that a couple times. <laughs> so another another question I had is, you know, maybe we'll just skip skip ahead real quick to, to workflow for for iOS. Mm -hmm. uh, is there is there a central depository repository rather uh, somewhere that that people can look for Hazel rules and or automator scripts to to kind of jump in and start using some of these? Is it more of a template rather than creating everything from scratch? Yeah, yeah, the app ships with some. And then also, if you go to my website at maxmarky.com, I have some of them, like the ones I use in, for paperless workflows are available for download at the website. The, uh, they're out there. Okay. But it really isn't that hard. And in fact, just I never really answered your question about complexity versus simplicity. Uh, Hazel brings the power of AppleScript to mortals. I mean, AppleScript is quite complex if you want to try and write AppleScript for your Mac. And I know there's programmers out there listening to the show saying it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it's actually pretty hard because there is no consistent pedagogy for the way that you write the, the script. out. I mean, every app's implementation is a little different. So it's not like you even have a consistent syntax. So AppleScript is hard, but this gives you the power of AppleScript, and it is way easier than that. So I guess the complexity versus simplicity uh, question is in relation to the power. Like the the simple stuff we were talking about of just like delete files over seven weeks that are DMG files, that is like a one-step rule. It's very easy if you watch the video or even I, there's a 30-minute um, sample video at the beat, so you can watch 30 minutes of the whole thing. And for a lot of people, maybe that's enough. But if you watch even that, you'll be able to do basic stuff like that. For the easy stuff, it's relatively easy. For the more complex stuff, it is complex. But in comparison to learning AppleScript to do the same thing, it is way easier. <laughs> Very nice. Well, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, to diving in more as I uh, finish up the field guide and definitely would recommend everyone checking that out. And, and also, I guess it was just a few episodes ago, a whole Mac Power Users episode on it, which you went into Great detail. So I definitely will put that in the show notes, make sure everyone uh, checks that out. So now I guess on the iOS side, we've got things like workflow and I know you've, you've got a whole field guide on that too as well, right? Yeah. I'm, I can't stop myself, Josh. <laughs> can't help myself. Of that I'm, I'm, I, I did recently buy and started playing around and, and uh, you know, looking in the, in the store area, I guess they call it, I don't know what they call it. Uh, let's see the gallery. A lot of just like, turning things into GIFs and images. And, and I guess I'm, I'm struggling to find the, I guess, the utility. What are some, what, what give me a, a, a short sales pitch for workflow. What could it do for me? That's not kind of silliness. Yeah. I guess there's just a lot of silliness. It seems like. I think there's something to that. I think that like, you know, creating a GIF is the sample when you first download the app. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, gosh, there's so much more this app can do. Make, make GIFs and memes. It's like, yeah, I'm not, 
would do that. No. Yeah. There is a bit of a learning curve to it. I, I've got a post I'm going to put up hopefully by the end of this week. So hopefully by the time the show goes live and like one of the issues I had, I talked earlier about how I get, I like to file documents with specific names and then I have Hazel do stuff on the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the issues I've always had is, you know, I get emails sometimes that themselves are a record I want to keep. And just, just to keep it simple again, let's say I bought something on Amazon. I bought my day job. I'm a lawyer. So let's say I bought a box of paper, you know, that I want to use with my printer. And that's something I need to keep a record that I bought, mm-hmm. but they don't send me a receipt, like a, an attached PDF. They just send me an email that says, Hey, you bought paper. Here it is. You know, here's a ship date. Here's how much it costs. So I want to save that as a, as a record on the Mac. It's really easy. You can print an email file, an email, you know, message as a PDF. It's a very simple process mm-hmm. on the Mac, on the iOS device. It's actually kind of difficult. Apple has never added that functionality to the iPhone and iPad. As a, as a cheat, there is one way you can do it with the current iPhone success, because if you force press, there's a way to do it. But not many people know that and don't have the phones. But it's actually kind of difficult. Right. So I've been spending a bunch of time with third-party mail apps trying to kind of see what, how they solve that problem. And a bunch of them do a better job than Apple. But I still have the problem of I need to give the file a name. I need to categorize it and I need to save it to a certain place in Dropbox. And all of that takes additional taps on the iPhone and the iPad. And, you know, the whole point of this automation stuff is we shouldn't have to do that. I mean, these, the phone in your pocket has enough computing power to send a man to the moon. (laughs) I mean, if you look at the initial computers they used for the moonshot, these, these phones in our pockets could, could crush them with computing power. Oh yeah. And yet we're sitting there hacking away and tapping at like monkeys. So, so I have a workflow that when I push a button with an email that I'm saving as a PDF, it will say, okay, give me a description and I'll say paper. And then the workflow will grab the current date. It'll insert the current date as the name of the file. Then we'll write in new paper, then add Sparks Law Expense, and then it will save it to a certain place in Dropbox for me. It does all that with one tap. Hmm. And that's an example of what I do with workflow. So you go into the workflow app and tap that you're in the email and you're using a share sheet extension or, or? exactly okay. workflow, the workflow has a share sheet okay. extension. You just tap on the workflow icon and all the, you can create a workflow to, to sit in the share sheet. So right. this one I have designated as a share sheet extension. So whatever I'm working in, it says, okay, this is what the, the input is a PDF that he's got out of this third party mail app. Now go to work. And um, that's a, that's an example I use. It's not that easy to figure it out. And uh, that's why I'm going to write this one up because it took me, you know, <laughs> probably about a half hour to kind of figure out how to make it all work. Now I can save everybody the time. So are you are you able to publish those workflows after you create something like that? Are you able to easily kind of share it? Like yeah, okay. They have a like I have a share link. Like when I publish this, there will be a link in the article, and you can just download it to your workflow and just mm. you know change it, change the name or the the um, the location of the save to wherever you want it. But, mm. I'm intrigued. I- I've got so many things I need to learn and I don't know where to start. So I, I might, I might stick with Hazel for now and, and kind of get, uh, get really smart on that and then, then switch over to workflow. But yeah, that's very interesting. So we, I guess a question in the outline was, you know, automator, it seems to be a very old app. It's been around forever. Is there, do you foresee any sort of effort by Apple in the future to kind of modernize that or kind of create something similar on, on the iOS side? You know, I know that obviously they're, their focus is on iOS, it seems. I mean, the Mac side is is pretty pretty mature. You foresee, basically, is, is workflow going to be 
absorbed in a, in a sense, uh, Sherlocked? I sure hope not. <laughs> I sure hope not. No, I, I, you know, Automator is interesting. The, the, one of the moving forces behind it was Sal Segoyan, who, you know, he was a premier third-party Apple script guy. And then he went inside the mothership and worked there. And I think he was the guy behind Automator, which, you know, the idea was let's give normal people the ability to, to do some of this automation stuff without having to learn Apple script. So it, it was definitely an attempt to make the, you know, to make the, you know, to bring more people to the table. Everything about iOS doesn't seem to me like something they really want to go crazy with automation on. Mm-hmm. They're going to leave it to third parties. I, I'm just so pleased that workflow can exist on iOS. Yeah. Because work, workflow is an app that you can kind of create mini apps with. Like another example of workflow that I use is when you go to write a, an email in Apple Mail, you cannot have an embedded link. Like, I can't say, Josh, here is the link to my favorite post about workflow. And then, you know, where you see the blue words and you just tap on them and it takes you, like, you can't do that in <laughs> Apple Mail. Mm-hmm. You have to paste the link as a separate line and it looks terrible. And if the link's really long, it may cause trouble. And I have an, a workflow script that does that for me. It's like anytime I bump into a problem where I feel like iOS isn't cutting it for me. If I spend a few minutes on workflow, quite often I can I can get around it. You know, I never realized that you could not insert a link. You can insert a photo. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah, wow. Well, I mean, you can paste a link into an email, but you can't like you can't make it a hyperlink to a word. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've ever noticed. Uh, I, I came into a similar pro- uh, problem with uh, Word. Yeah. Uh, for for Mac, uh, of course, you can you can insert links, but if you export it to a PDF from Word, the link will not work. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? No, I didn't know that, but that does not surprise me. Yeah, it really it really surprised me because it'll actually work if you use like the online version of Word. You can ex- you can like export it to PDF and it works from there. Yeah. But like it, it'll it'll look blue and it'll look like you can click on it, but the you know once you get to PDF, it's just blue words. Yeah, it's just blue <laughs> word. It's like I, I googled it and apparently it's been uh, a problem forever and then. They're not fixing it, which is pretty crazy. It seems like the Microsoft development is really focused on iOS. I mean, they have right. really knocked it out of the park in the last year. Yeah, and I think it does work on iOS. So, yeah, it, that's why I got I really got frustrated recently when I was working on a, a, a Word document because it's like there are three different platforms here, and they're all three doing different things to the same document, which kind of scary, you know, in a sense. Frustrating, yeah. yeah. Pretty nuts. So, um, WWDC coming up this week, next week will already have been, I guess, in the past. Once the once this show goes live, uh, I forget if you said, are you are you heading out there or no? You bet, I'm gonna be there. Nice. So you're take you, so you're gonna be one of those people that take the place of the developers, and and the full future of Apple is gonna be ruined because you're taking up all the space <laughs> uh no no i'm not i'm not actually attending the conference okay okay just gonna hang it out i have a lot of um i'm a lawyer but i represent a ton of software developers and the a bunch of my clients are like that's the one week of the year they're all in one place and some of them are all over the country and the world so i always go up there to kind of give me a chance to meet with them nice that's the official reason an <laughs> <laughs> official reason is i like um, hanging out with a lot of my friends in the tech community uh it helps me find guests for the for the mac power users there's a lot of good reasons for me to go up and there's some fun parties so yeah i'm, yeah. I'm sure there there were i was just obviously joking uh, i know several people online seem to get 
up in arms if, if a non-developer says they're going to go to WWDC. Oh yeah, I know. And, and I would I would be wasted on me. I've, I've played around with app development, but I'm a hobbyist at the most rudimentary level. <laughs> I, yeah. I guess I've not really followed, I guess, some of the, the rumor mills so far. Do you have any big insights as, as far as what what's going to be happening with either Mac OS now? No, I, I don't know any more than anybody else. And, <laughs> but, but what I would say is I hope that Siri gets some much needed love. I think it's time. Yes. Last, last week we recorded uh, a show and that was pretty much the, the consensus of all three of us is that Siri, please, please Siri. <laughs> I mean, it's struggling. I feel like I'm missing out. I mean, they, I mean, Google is doing some interesting stuff and I'm not necessarily ready to turn over all my data to Apple and let them, go crazy but i would i just feel like even with the data they have access to they could be doing yeah. so much more yeah a, a consistent siri across all platforms you know of course mac and apple tv would be nice and and, uh, and an api for third-party apps would be huge you know i don't necessarily care if my phone knows where i'm at and wants to tell me you know i've got 15 minutes worth of traffic and, and all of that i don't necessarily care about that but man, I want it to tell it to do something to OmniFocus or whatever I want it to do. I just want to be able to tell it to do something to a third-party app and it, and it get the, and it get it, you know, rather than uh, all the workarounds we ha- we're currently with. I agree, brother. It's a it's a tough life sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, my um, <laughs> my grandfather worked in a coal mine, and my dad worked in a Florsham shoe factory when he was like 10 and I'm bitching about (laughs) Siri. So just so we're put it in perspective. Yeah. My one grandfather worked in the coal mine and my dad did as well. So where did you grow up in the, in the, not my father was from Missouri. Okay. At Kirksville. And then his father, um, I don't know where he did his mining app, but it was a coal mine somewhere, I guess in Missouri. Okay. I didn't know if that, I didn't know Missouri had coal, but well, this is, back in the late 1800s. So I don't, I don't actually don't know exactly where I know he was a child. And when he was old, he had, um, he belonged to, he had black lung insurance or something. I mean, I just, oh you know, it was, it was rough. Yeah. My, my, both my dad and grandpap got out when the, when the mine shut down in the early nineties. And, uh, yeah, I heard enough stories even, even back that far yeah. to be very thankful to go to college. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, I uh, this is a little shorter than most most weeks, but we don't have Joe here to bloviate, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to call it. Uh, we'll call this one. Yeah. So obviously, uh, most of our listeners, I'm sure, know where to find you at MacSparky.com and Mac Power Users. Uh, any other plugs? Obviously, we've we've talked about your field guides and yeah. Anything else you want to mention before we go? If you just go to MacSparky.com, you can find just about everything I do, and also the Mac Power Users, which is over at Relay.fm. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This will wrap it up. This is the end of episode 56. If you'd like to receive the show notes and links, you'll find them at tectonic.fm slash 56. Uh, if you want to chat with us, the show is at tectonicfm on Twitter. And uh, I'm not going to read the rest. Sorry, Joe. That'll be it. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just not much for the script reading. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care for that. Yeah, no. <laughs> we, we don't script anything. Honestly, we, we do have an outline that we work from, 
I just feel like you just got to kind of go with it. And sometimes you get on an interesting vein and you follow it and you don't have to, <laughs> if you have a script, if you script too much, you, uh, you miss out on some of the good stuff. Yep. 